0: Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, A MIA from the War to End All Wars. And I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this preview of No Home for Heroes on YouTube or audio burst, we invite you to listen to the complete podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer. Stay tuned while we tell you about a young man who gave his life for his country over a hundred years ago. That's right, over a century ago. But this young man is still remembered in his small hometown in Louisiana. We want to dedicate today's episode to our loyal listeners in DeRitter, Louisiana, population 10,578. Our special Veterans Day episode today is about your own hometown hero from World War I. And now, on with our show. As I mentioned, today is a special Veterans Day episode on No Home for Heroes. Sure, you know today is a federal holiday, and many of you get the day off, but do you know why? And if I said the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, would you have a clue what I was talking about? Or would you just think I was talking gibberish? Originally known as Armistice Day, Veterans Day was first observed on November 11, 1919, marking the first anniversary of the end of World War I. In 1926, Congress passed a resolution that made November 11 to be recognized annually, and the date became a national holiday in 1938. This week marks the 100th anniversary of the very first day on November 11, 1919, when Veterans Day was observed. Take this holiday weekend to honor and remember all of our MIAs. They include 1,587 still accounted for from Vietnam. 7,606 unaccounted for from the Korean War, 126 were lost during the Cold War, and 72,641 are still unaccounted for from World War II. Sadly, there's just not much taught in school today about World War I, and most people think of it as some vague black-and-white jerky newsreel film on the PBS channel late at night. It was known, as I said, as the war to end all wars. But of course, it wasn't. World War II would follow on its heels barely over 20 years later. Before the armistice was signed ending World War I at 11 a.m. on November 11th, 1918, millions had died. And now, over 100 years later, 3,350 American servicemen and servicewomen remain missing from that war to end all wars. Today's story is about just one of these missing American heroes from World War I. He gave his life to make the world safe for democracy, as then-President Woodrow Wilson was once quoted as saying. Murphy Joseph Cole stated he was born in Reeves, Louisiana. The census of 1900 listed Murphy Cole as, well, the son of Joseph and Denise Cole. He was the 10th of 12 children. His father was a farmer, and his father died on 28 April 1905 at the age of 52. Five years later, at the time of the 1910 census, Murphy was living with his mother, Denise Cole, one sister, four brothers, and a niece on Honchie Street in DeRitter, Louisiana. Murphy's mother worked as the manager of a boarding house and Murphy was still attending school at that time. On 30 December 1913, Murphy joined the Louisiana National Guard and was given the rank of private. He was assigned to Camp Stafford, Alexandria, Louisiana for training. Private Cole later saw service on the Mexican border with the Louisiana National Guard. Ironically, the commander of that expedition on the Mexican border would be General Black Jack Pershing, who would later lead American forces in World War I in France. Private Cole's National Guard unit was called up for service, federal service, with the 156th Infantry Regiment, in April 1917, as the clouds of World War I were about to break. Murphy was working as a freight checker for the LCN company in DeRitter, Louisiana, when he registered for the draft in Beauregard Parish, Louisiana, on 5 June 1917. Murphy described himself as tall and slender with blue eyes and brown hair. He was unmarried. On his registration form, Murphy stated that he had three years previous service with the Louisiana National Guard and Reserve as an infantry private. Private Murphy turned 26 on 29 November 1917, and as a birthday present, he was promoted to corporal the very next day. Murphy formally enlisted as a regular United States Army on 6 May 1918, and he was rushed to France on board a British hospital ship named the HMHS Navassa. Sometime between December 17th and 1917, and May 1918, Murphy reverted back to his rank of private for reasons that are not included in his medical record or his official military record. On the passenger list of the Navassa, Private Cole was listed as a member of the Camp Beauregard June Auto Replacement Draft Infantry. (laughs) I truly don't know what that description really means today, but it was a real mouthful then and it is now. At that time, he was assigned to the 156th Infantry Regiment, and the Navassa sailed from New York Harbor on 12 June 1918. Once he arrived in France, Private Cole was designated as a replacement to be sent to units already deployed in France. And on 7 July 1918, Private Cole was transferred to H Company, Howe Company, 23rd Infantry Regiment, 2nd Division. The Second Battle of the Marne, which was held from 15 July through 6 August 1918, marked a major turning point in the fight on the Western Front in World War I in 1918. The first phase of the battle had been the German Champagne Marne Offensive, which had begun on 15 July. The attacks east of Rim had met with little success, but the attack to the west by the German 7th Army had advanced four miles, which was quite an advance in World War I-era structures. The advance created a beachhead on the southern side of the Marne River. At its greatest extent, the German salient reached from Soissons in the northwest to Chateau Thierry in the southwest corner, and then east along the Marne River. One positive result of the earlier German successes had been the appointment of Ferdinand Foch as the overall commander in chief on the Western Front. A French general, Ferdinand Foch, would later also gain notoriety or become infamous during the Second World War as well. But even before the German offensive on the Marne River, he had been planning a massive counterattack in the area. This was to involve four French armies attacking all around the salient that had been created by the German army. His attack plan involved a truly allied effort, with French, American, British, and even Italian divisions involved. It would also be a major American battle. The American 1st and 2nd Division, the 2nd Division including newly arrived private Cole, were assigned to the 10th Army while the 6th and 9th Armies each contained 3 American divisions. These were massive formations containing 28,000 men each, making them twice the size of their British, French, or German equivalents. The tact was planned to be supported by over 350 brand shiny new Allied tanks. The main attack was launched on 18 July with 14 divisions from the 10th and 6th Armies. All around the line, the Allies advanced between 2 and 5 miles. That night, the Germans were forced to retreat back across the Marne River. The rapid Allied advance threatened German communications within the salient and even offered a chance of trapping the German troops around Chateau Thierry. Faced with this massive Allied counterattack, the German general Ludendorff ordered his troops to pull out of the salient to form a new defensive line. The new line began to take shape on 3 August. On 6 August, the Americans probed the new line and were repulsed. That failure ended the American Offensive. The Marne Offensive marked a key turning point in the fighting of 1918. It ended the series of German victories that had begun on the Somme in March 1918 and opened the way for the great Allied Offensive that would start on 8 August 1918. German General Ludendorff's greatest gamble to end the war before the full strength of the American army could be deployed in France had failed. The German defeat marked the start of the relentless Allied advance, which culminated in the armistice with Germany about a hundred days later. Sadly, Private Murphy Cole would not be around to see peace finally reign across the muddy battlefields of World War I on November 11 at 11 a.m. The specific circumstances of Private Cole's death are not included in his currently available military records. According to the Beauregard, Louisiana Parish Library, Private Cole, quote, died as a result of a direct hit by an artillery round, end quote. All of the available records state that Private Cole was simply missing in action, or an MIA, on 18 July 1918. Other than that brief library note, there's no indication in any other available record of exactly when, or where Private Cole received the wounds which ultimately caused his death, or what these wounds were. If he was not completely obliterated by combat trauma, it is likely that Private Cole would have been first evacuated to a battalion aid station or a field hospital located behind the front lines. If he expired there, he no doubt received a hasty burial before being later moved to a larger cemetery. The fact that Private Cole was a member of his company for only 11 days before his death supports the premise that his appearance was not well known by his company mates, and this certainly would have complicated any identification of his body after his death. In this case, Private Cole would probably have simply been interred as a, quote, unknown, end quote. A preponderance of the evidence indicates that private Murphy Joseph Cole died of wounds he received on 18 July 1918. This date coincides with the known actions of his company during the Second Battle of the Marne. Americans killed during the Second Battle of the Marne were later congregated in the designated American cemeteries nearby and were ultimately moved, loo- lo- <laughs> well they weren't moved, loo- they were ultimately moved to the Marne American Cemetery and Memorial in Belleau France, near the battlefield where Private Cole fell. The names of 1,060 soldiers missing in action are inscribed on the cemetery chapel's walls. Of those names, the name of Private Murphy J. Cole is inscribed. There are 2,288 burials in the Marne American Cemetery. 251 of these burials contain unknown remains. Our researchers here at the foundation believe that Murphy was interred under one of the crosses in that cemetery, which reads, quote, Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God, end quote. Maybe someday the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency will, We'll ask the foundation to tell them which one of these 251 unknown crosses in the Marne American Cemetery stands proudly and in honor above the remains of Private Murphy Joseph Cole. What a wonderful Veterans Day honor that would be someday to help bring Murphy home to his family in Louisiana. Well, this has been kind of a tough Veterans Day episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. We thank you for listening. Today's episode was from case number 0387 of the investigative case files of the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. Our foundation is dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American service women. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and we invite you to check out all of our other episodes on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. We have now posted over 40 different original episodes of History's Military Mysteries Missing in Action. These over 40 episodes have been posted for you to access and enjoy. As always, we greatly appreciate your comments and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com Well, you know, we have about four, maybe five, more episodes of No Home for Heroes planned for 2019 before taking a hiatus and embarking on a different adventure. So don't miss our next exciting true episode about one of our missing American heroes. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them.